The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Amen. You know, I don't know if you've noticed this before, but, and maybe you've noticed it in yourself, maybe you've noticed it in people in your life, maybe you've noticed it in, in loved ones before. Have you ever noticed how some people, it's just kind of human nature, so many of us do this, make our spiritual lives about following rules? Have you noticed that? Like, it's so easy to do, right? It's so easy to do. And so every once in a while, every once in a while, we just need to like, I think, pause and just get back to the, and I'm not going to say basics or or elementary, though they're both of those, more like to the foundation of what this whole thing is all about. Right now, we are, we're going to kind of, we're interrupting regular, regular scheduled programming uh, we're going to step away from Acts for, for just three weeks. And we're, we're going to, the goal is to, to do just that. We're going to come back to some foundational truths that I think we all just got to be remember, reminded of. There's some of us, maybe there's some of us that are like, man, these are things that I, I've never heard anybody talk about faith in this way. For a lot of us, you're like, well, I, I've heard this before, but I just need reminded every once in a while. I get, I tend to veer. I don't know about you. I, I tend to veer every once in a while. And sometimes I don't notice it until you get like the rumble strips of life. Like, oh, this is kind of, no- okay, no. okay, back to the center of the lane, okay? So today what I want us to do, I want us to get off the rumble, stri- uh, rumble strips for a little bit. Get back into the middle of the lane. Like, what, what is this thing all about? So let me, let me tell you, like I said, I'm, I, I don't want you to think of this elementary. I want you to think of it as foundational. So for those of you who've heard this a million times, would you strive to hear it again fresh? Because God has something significant for us in the fundamental foundational truths of his word. Amen? Here's the deal. If you're going to really come back to the basics, what are we coming back to? What are we coming back to? We're coming back to this. Jesus was asked the question, what's the most important thing? And what did he say? Love God and love people. Right? He said it this way, love the Lord of God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I like to say it this way, love God with everything you've got everything you've got. And then he was only asked the most important command, but he's like, hey, the second one is so close to the first and is so much like the first. Let me just throw this one in as a freebie, okay? The number one, love God with everything you've got. Number two is so like it. Just love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. So there was one time where this guy, he's trying to trip Jesus up. They're always, the religious guys were always trying to catch Jesus in his words, you know, and um, kind of trap him. And so he asks the question, hey, how do I have eternal life? And Jesus is like, well, what do you see the Bible says? And he uses this very same answer, love God and love people. And, he, and, then, and then this guy trying to catch Jesus, kind of trap him. And, and Jesus saw his intent. We see that in the text. It says, in order to justify himself, he asks this question, who is my neighbor? right? So here's the deal. Here's where we make, we we come back to the basics. It's about love. It's about love. It's about love. And we can make love about rules. Watch him. See? Love God. Okay, I can do that. All I can, I can call all of my religious activity, this big old long list of things that I do. This is the way that I love God, right? We, We know that love's not just an emotion, right? Like, 
there's action behind it. So here's my list of things that I'm going to do, and I'm going to call that my love for God. But then this Jesus guy says that I have to love other people too, but now we got to, like, here's the deal. Let me figure out how little love I can give and still obey this command. See, that's, that's law. That's rules, okay? So let me see how little I can love. So let me ask, who's my neighbor? I can imagine in his head, he's like, obviously, like, like my family members are probably my neighbors, right? He'd probably, he'd probably go to like those who, you know, worship in the synagogue that I worship at. Like that, they're probably, I guess, maybe like my next door neighbors. They're by definition neighbors across the street. But how about like three houses down? Like when does, when are they not my neighbors anymore, right? Like, wait, everybody in my, my subdivision? Oh man, that's, <laughs> there's no way. Jesus answers with a story. It's a story we're probably familiar with, but we're going to tell it anyway. There's a guy who's on a trip, and, and he's going along, and he, gets, and he gets jumped, he gets mugged, they steal his ride, they strip him of all his clothes, leave him there naked, they beat him to a bloody pulp, they steal everything that, they, that he has, and they left, leave him there thinking he's dying. He's bleeding out on the side of the road. And a priest comes by. And a priest sees this guy, he's like, I could take care of this one guy, or like, there's people who are waiting for me for spiritual insight, and if I'm, t- I'm going to miss it, so I'm going to, all right, I'm going my way, right? And he just walks right past. And then it says this, this other guy, this Levite, church worker, maybe he's a youth pastor, I don't know. He, he's, he's coming by, and he sees the guy, and he's just like, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. And so he just like convinces himself that he's not really there. Don't laugh. You've done it, right? Con- convinces himself, like, I don't even see that need. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And then just kind of keeps on going. And then the Samaritan. We know the story, right? The Samaritan comes along. And Samaritans and Jews, they didn't get along. And it's more than just didn't get along. There was, there was, there was deep-rooted animosity. There was a cultural um, and religious tension that was like you could feel. They hated one another. Jews thought they were superior. The Samaritans, well, they resented the Jews because of it. It was a mess. And I don't even know how to contextualize it perfectly, but think polar opposites of, well, think of any divisive topic. Oh, okay, it's easier. Think of any topic ever that you could think of, and there's, find the extreme poles. Like, this is where we're at. Maybe we'd, maybe we'd do it this way. There's this guy, this Midwest, small town, retired gentleman, ultra conservative, ultra conservative, um, and proud of it. Ultra, and let everybody know. Every one of his conservative views, everyone knew all the time, and he was strong. And this is the guy that's now laying on the side of the road, stripped of everything but his red cap. And And then there's another man came along. Let's say he was, he was a city boy. Lived in New York City. He's a young, gay, black man. Incredibly liberal. As liberal as they get. And he comes along after the priest has just passed and the youth pastor just passed. Now this young man He's a beat-up, bleeding man in the red hat. And he goes and checks his pulse because it looks like he's not even... Yeah, he's still alive, but he can't stop the bleeding, so he picks him up and he 
carries his dirty, beaten, bloody body into the back of his car and he drives to the nearest hospital. And he says, I don't know this man and I don't know who he is, but would you send the hospital bill to me? And then Jesus looks at his crowd and says, who is the neighbor to this man? I love it. He flipped the question. See, the question was, who is my neighbor to justify himself, to find out how few people he could be obligated to love? And Jesus flipped the script and said, no, no who is the neighbor to this man? Loving your neighbor isn't about defining who the neighbor is so I can feel good about myself and loving the few, but it's rather understanding that if the greatest purpose in life is to love God and to love other people, why wouldn't you want greater opportunity to live out the love of God for the people around you? So the question is, who is the neighbor? The, ma- the neighbor is the man who took initiative to love. So who is your neighbor? Anybody that you choose to love. Man, powerful story, isn't it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the thing. Loving is a whole lot easier to do philosophically than it is practically. (laughs) Right? I mean, it, it really, really is. I mean, we can talk about love crosses all cultural divides and love heals and love mends and love restores. But if you look at the world, if you look at society, we're so divided, right? Like this, this isn't like, it's not social commentary. That's just like the world. That's just truth. We're so divided on everything. You see anger and bitterness and hurt and resent and spite and, and unforgiveness and, 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 and hate. And we, we see it everywhere. But one thing I do, what is kind of cool to watch it's like in, in, this, in this wave of anger and hate, there's this undercurrent of love that is kind of sort of forming. Like you, you see it. I know I mentioned this before, but like even in, 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 in small little things, T-shirts and stickers and billboards and kind people are my kind of people and, and, and be nice, bro, and, and all love, Right? We see is this, the, the, there's something inside people are going like, like this isn't right. Like, there's love. And I think that's awesome. And there's some that say like, no, no, love is the reason for life. Like in the midst of all the chaos, like we've got to love. We got to realize that, that like, love is it. But here's, here's where, where, where many people end up going. Like in the midst of, of all the anger and, and, and resentment and, 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 and hate and all the stuff that's out there. People want to swing to the point and say, no, listen, love is it. Love is it. Love is God. And I hear that, and I'm like, man, that's so close. (laughs) I understand the heart, and I understand the sentiment, and yes, God is there, but here's the deal. Love in and of itself has its shortcomings. Right? Let's, let's, Let's just think about it. Let's just think about this for a second. What does it really mean to love? Right? Think about it. If you ask 100 people today, you might get a dozen different answers. If you ask 100 people today here, and then 100 people today in another city, and 100 people today in different cultures around the world, you're going to get a whole bunch of different answers. Now, if you start asking not only different cultures, but different, ask the same question in different periods of history in different cultures, you're going to get so many different answers on what Love is practically, what does it look like? It's so hard to define, isn't it? 
Like if love is God, love in and of itself is this higher power, this higher entity, we all just got to love one another. What does that mean? See, we, we run into some, some problems if love is God. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus is all about the love. But it gets complicated. You see, our culture today says directly, or, or oftentimes at least implies, that love requires a full alignment with an endorsement of the belief systems of the one you're loving, right? Right? I mean, that's generally how that works. Like, if you don't agree with me, that's hate. Now, here's an exception. You can have your truth and I have my truth. Unless my truth infringes on the belief system of your truth, then we've got problems, you're not with me, then you can't, that's hate. And if, if, if that's hate, if my, if my stance is hate, then how am I supposed to love? That's hard. How, how in the world can the Samaritan love a Jew if the Samaritan's position isn't changing to that of the Jew's position? Does that we get what we're saying here? Or, or harder yet, can one person love the Jew and the Samaritan and the Jew at the same time? If it's, if it's about endorsing the belief system or the value system of another person, and if, if my truth infringes on your truth, if that's hate, then how in the world am I supposed to live my, such a, a life where I love everyone, but everyone doesn't agree, so disagreement is hate? It's impossible, right? How, how about this? Here's another little... If love is God, how much love do I have to give before I take care of myself? I'm going to burn out if I just give, 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 aren't I? I'm just going to run tired. I'm going to run flat. I'm never going to be able to get. Doesn't this sound like a certain religious teacher that asked this question 2,000 years ago? Here's where it comes down. Who has the final say on what love is? What is the standard? for which, which we understand what it looks like and how it's supposed to be. Here's the deal. Love can't be God because love requires something outside of itself to give it definition. Right? Again, we live in a, a culture that, that we see so much tension, and so the knee-jerk reaction is just love, love, love. Let's wave the banner of love. Now, don't get me wrong. Christians should be the most loving people on the planet. But love needs a foundation. Love requires something outside of itself to give it definition. We need something more than love. We need God. Guys, bottom line, we need God. Listen, the story of the Good Samaritan is amazing, but truly it's based on a, a deeper and a more profound story. It's a story that's much, much older. The story goes back to the creation of the world. Real old. God created us. Friends, some of you have heard this a hundred times. Some of us, you've never heard it before. If you've heard it a hundred times, would you, just, would you just receive the love of God all over again? God created mankind for the sole purpose to enter into a loving relationship with them. Right? We're so caught up on fringe issues. Let's just remember that. God created mankind to enter into a loving relationship with him, with us. Like that's, that's 
That's where it all started. Sometimes we, we, we search for purpose and we search for meaning, but I think we've got to come back to like, why do we exist? We exist because God wanted to receive love from us and to pour his love out to us. Like that's the bottom line. You know, you hear a lot of people be like, how come God put that like tree in the garden and make them sin? This is, this is like, we need perspective here. Okay, in this little Adam and Eve story. Like, when they put them in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden wasn't like the size of the garden that you built last spring because you wanted carrots. Okay, like, it's, we're, not, we're not talking about a little back garden in your backyard. The, the Garden of Eden isn't like the sunken gardens. Oh, a nice place to spend the afternoon, okay? Probably get a little stir-crazy if you spent your entire life in that little garden. Okay, the Garden of Eden was like a national forest. And in this national forest, God puts a tree, a tree. And he's like, don't eat fruit from that one. The rest of the world is yours to explore. I'd suggest going that way, but you know, do what you want. And yet, and yet they take the fruit. Now, I don't know how long they lived in this perfect, blissful utopia before they took the fruit, but there's a few things in the story that make me think it was probably pretty quick, okay? One, like, I don't know what you believe about soulmates, okay? But Adam and Eve were literally made for each other in every, right? Like, literally made for each other. In perfect, I mean, it's like honeymoon mode, like permanently. This is life, Okay? They're perfect. Everything's awesome. There's no relational tension. And they're naked. And they didn't have kids yet. This tree thing happened quick. Here's, here's how I know it even happened even sooner. So they're like, you can't talk like that in church. I just did, okay? Here's how I know it happened even sooner. Okay, and some people are like, this, this story's far-fetched, okay? Eve listens to a serpent. Come on, Eve. Like, you damned the world to hell because you're listening to a talking serpent and you didn't like, huh, this is strange, okay? Let's give her the benefit of the doubt. She could have been an hour old, okay? If, I, I would convince that you're maybe like, like one of the toddlers in, in the nursery today, if like a little bunny rabbit came up and started talking to them, they'd probably engage it, okay? So like she was young, she could have been very, very young. So anyway, so, so Adam and Eve are out, they're doing their thing and like they probably haven't been around very long and alive very long and all of a sudden the servant comes up like, hey, check out that tree. And they're like, yeah, kind of cool, we're not supposed to eat that. And here's the thing, it's, it, we get so caught up on like, and maybe you've thought this before, like you're telling me that Eve eating a bite from the tree, and don't give Adam a pass, right? Like, just because Eve was the one engaging the snake, that Eve was the one talking, <laughs> Adam was the passive endorser of this whole thing, right? Like, he's just like, what you gonna do about that, <laughs> right? And then, I'm sorry, I'm just reading the story like it, like it is. This beautiful, naked love of his life is like, here, you want an apple? Like, yeah, sure, whatever you want, I'll have it, yeah, sure, uh, yeah. Or whatever you say. 
you're never going to read that story again the same, are you? Um, but here's the deal. We, like, for real, though, like you get like a bite of an apple or whatever it was. It wasn't an apple. Otherwise, maybe that is it. Maybe that's why we're all in trouble. I don't know. But whatever that fruit was, like that's it? That's what did it? And, and this is where I mess up. This is what we do with our, with our own situation, too. Like, you tell me, like, just, like, one little lie is going to send me to hell? Like, it was a lie. They just ate fruit. It's not the act of sin that was really the issue. See, that bite of fruit wasn't just a bite of fruit. When she took hold of that fruit, she was taking hold of her independence. That bite was not just an innocent little snack. That bite was a declaration of autonomy from God. That moment in the garden, when the devil approaches them and says, hey, like that's his truth, but what's your truth? Hey, what you don't know is that God is withholding what you don't realize is that you will, you will know truth. You will know good and evil. Here's the deal. They would know good and evil. Truth was, they didn't know good and evil. Why? Because they only knew good and they didn't know evil yet. The devil is such a good liar that he always uses a little bit of truth to make it seem real. Truth is, they would then know good and evil and guilt and shame and condemnation and all that came with it death their story is our story it's not the little thing again so many of us we, we want to balance our, our good deeds and our, our bad deeds it's not about that it's the lack of surrender to our God that's the issue it's the daily declaration of our own autonomy. It's the basking in our own independence. That's the thing that gets us in trouble. Jesus died for our sins, yes. But he really died for our sin. Our rebellion from the sovereign hand of God. God didn't kick him out of the garden because he was angry and vindictive. His heart broke. And as soon as it happened, he began to put into play a plan to rescue humanity, a plan to restore the relationship. In that moment, the relationship between God, our Heavenly Father, and mankind was divided. And it wasn't, it wasn't because they did bad things. It was because they separated themselves from God. And for the rest of, I mean, the rest of this book this is what it's all about. The rest of this book is a story of God's working to bring mankind back into relationship with him. And right now we're in this beautiful season of the church where after Jesus has died and rose from the dead, what's that all about? God is a just God. 
and a loving father. And I know for us, it's hard to separate. Like we want to separate those two things and he can be one or the other, but he's a loving father, but he's a good, just judge. I mean, sometimes I like to go to extreme perspectives to see if, if, if an analogy fits or just to get some clarity here. But listen, if Hitler was on the stand and a judge was like, you know what, I'm feeling generous. You know what, how about a $50 fine and you go, just don't do it again. Just no more, no more executing an entire population. Just don't do that anymore and you're good. That judge probably wouldn't make it through the night. Why? Because you know he wasn't a good judge. Our God is just. And a punishment for sin is required. Not because he's mean, but because he's holy. And that's what the Jesus and the cross thing is all about. We regularly think of the cross and we think, take communion and we, we think of Jesus there and we're like, oh, poor Jesus. Yeah, our hearts can break as we think of the story, but it wasn't just about the fact that he died. We all will die. The truth is he came and lived perfect life that we never could so that he could take the punishment that we couldn't take and live to tell about it. And so our rebellion brought Jesus to the cross. And now that it's been paid for, we don't have to carry that guilt and shame anymore. I don't know how many Christians I talk to that, that still, man, you, you love Jesus and you've got a relation with God, but you still walk in that place of guilt and that place of shame. Like somehow you need to do your penance. But listen, when you try to make up for the sins that you've committed, you are undoing what Jesus did on the cross. You're saying the cross wasn't enough. Friends, it's time to receive the gift that God has given. The punishment has been paid and we are in right standing with God for those who receive that love. God said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my son. Listen, I love you guys. I love you. But if it's like your life or my kids, I'm sorry. I know which way I'm gonna pick every time. And if this is the love of the Father, that he was like, I loved you enough to like actually watch my son die so that I could adopt you into my family. Guys, I just like, like when we think of it in the, in the spiritual heavenly realm, like, oh, that's nice. Now, I want you to think about, especially if you have kids, I want you to think about what that would have been like. It's like, hey, hey, there's some kids over there. They don't have any parents and, and they're kind of struggling and I want to adopt them. But it's, it's not like a big price tag. Like what I need to do in order to adopt them is I need to hand over my child to be executed. How about it? Good deal? And this is the love of our father. Guys, that's... That's big. And we're over here going like, if I do more good than evil, then maybe I'll make it to heaven. Jesus says, no, I love you like crazy. Would you just receive my love? I love you like crazy. I want to adopt you into my family. All you have to do is say yes. 
The door's wide open. You can walk away anytime you want to. But all you got to do is say, yes, I'm going to come and live underneath your care. And let's, guess what? God is going to be there, and he's going to love you. And there's nothing we can do to shake it. And he says, hey, listen. Now, once you grasp this, when you realize what I've done for you, when you can receive the love that I offer, you got that? You received that? You there? Okay, now go love your neighbor. You know what's even, what's even cooler, right? The law has said, love your neighbor, or uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the law had said for years, Love your neighbor as yourself. But you know when Jesus was sitting with the disciples right before he went to the cross and he sat there and he says, a new command I give to you, love one another. That's a weird new command, isn't it? Jesus has been talking about it for years. The Old Testament hadn't written for hundreds of years. It's not a new command, but it's the way he finished it that was new. He didn't say love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, like, you can't even love yourself like I love you. I want, there's the new command, love your Love one another as I have loved you. Here's why love cannot be God. Because it has no foundation. It has no clarification. It has no definition. It's a, it's a fuzzy concept floating around in different ways in people's minds. But you know what 1 John 4 says? See, John was one of the 12 that would have been in that room before Jesus went to the cross. He would have been one of those guys that was sitting around that table when Jesus says, the new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. He, 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 was, he was so overwhelmed with this concept of the love of Jesus for him. Now, 60 years after Jesus has ascended into heaven, he's looking back on his life and he's looking back on all that Jesus has been for him. And he says this, listen, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. See, a society today, a culture today, even when you say love is God and oh, it's so close. But Jesus said, God is love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. How do I love people of different opinions, of different cultures, of different backgrounds, of different worldviews, different lifestyles? Let me start just by remembering that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Before I had my act together, before I chose him, he saw me in my worst before I was born. And he said, yep, I love you this much. See, when love is God, it will leave you frustrated and tired.
you'll quickly and easily give up and lose your way. But when God is love, like he gives strength when love grows tired. See, love will wear out. God never does. He's the author of love itself. He's the originator of the concept from the beginning. And he loves you. Friends, it's so simple. And yet we resist. It's right there. But we push back. We find ourselves just like Adam and Eve in that garden. We find ourselves in that same spot. Like God's ways seem narrow. And don't I know what's best for me? But he loves us. He loves us. Could you imagine a three-year-old mom and dad have this scale in their living room? And every time the three-year-old does something good, you put something on the good side of the scale. And every time the three-year-old does something wrong that they're not supposed to do, they put it on the other side of the scale. And at the end of the year, if the, if the bad side is heavier than the good side, then they're just gonna give the kid away. No one would have four-year-olds. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's how that would work. God loves you not on the basis of what you can do for him, but on the basis of the fact that he created you to be in a relationship with him. And he knows you mess up. What he's looking for is not perfection, but direction. Like God, I, I, when my little, my little girl blows it miserably, you know what I'm looking for? Not her to go clean her room right away. You know what I love is when, when she reaches up for me. When, when she realizes she blows it and she doesn't try to fix it, she just wants me. Friends, will you receive that today? Your Heavenly Father isn't looking for perfection, He's looking for direction. Would you take that step towards him today? You know, in, in, in all John's writings, I mean, he, read 1 John 4. You want some homework? You want something to study? You want something to read on? 1 John 4 is so rich in the love of God. But 4, 9 and 10 says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. If we acknowledge that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. God loves us, but he's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anyone. He makes the invitation. Hey, do you want to be in this relationship with me? It's rich and it's full and there's no condemnation and there's purpose. Yes, he calls us to love, but he gives us the foundation to be able to do it. 
He gives us the context and, 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 and the direction for our love. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about this one concept, love your neighbor. And we're going to continue to take new pieces of it for the next couple of weeks. But we can't begin to love our neighbor. We can't begin to be the good Samaritan unless we learn where our, our love comes from. We love because he first loved us. Father, we praise you and we thank you that you're a God who loves us. It's so simple. It's so rich, but it's so true. It just comes down to that. God, you love us. Father, I pray for those who are just worn out and stressed. The life has just been so heavy. God, would, would your love be so tangible it could be felt today? God, would you remind us today that who we are in you is more important than what we accomplish for you? Father, I pray for others who, who are, are weighed down by guilt and shame from, from sins, for failures, to the way other people have things have done to them. God, but they carry with them that guilt and shame. Father, would, the, would your forgiveness wash over them today? God, would you help people let go, let go of the hurts, let go of the failures. Let go of the guilt and receive the love of God. Fathers, for others who are, who are walking in such self-righteousness, God, forgive us. It's such a blinding sin. Open our eyes and open our hearts and bring us back to why we started out in you in the first place. Forgive us for our double standards. Forgive us for find, looking for loopholes. Forgive us for our, our, our works-based religion. Father, may we come back to the foundational teachings of Jesus. God, may we come back to where we started in your love. God, we don't deserve this. I don't fully understand why you even did this. But Father, we receive your love today. Your love that you demonstrated so powerfully on the cross, but the love that you continue to offer every moment of every day. Father, we love you. We receive the love that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.